0: Reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So, how many of you know that the Lord um, has already completely won the victory? Right? Um, Oops, I've got this all messed up now. And how many of you still battle? struggle so how does that make sense Um, for the next weeks or month I'm missing my first page (laughs) I know it's here this is just go to the last page oh that wouldn't work is this it it sitting here this is it I found it okay so he's already completely won the battle right and yet We're still in a battle. How does that work? That's one thing we're going to look at today. Um, I always struggle at the beginning of a series because um, my mind swims from like Genesis to Revelations and I want to tell you everything and, and that's not going to work. So we're just, we're going to lay some foundations about warfare. We have a lot of, do you come with some conceptions about how spiritual warfare works? And you know some things about it, right? Because you've been in it for a while. So you know that in the first book of John, um, Jesus is talking about one of, the, one of the aspects of the reasons that he came. And he said, we're not even going to turn there, okay? But, and I don't even know what verse it is. I just know it's there. Um, it says that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Do you know what's significant about that? He doesn't just say, I came to destroy the devil. So, you know, lately we've been talking about seeds, okay? And you know, just like in your life, right? You can sow seeds, and you can sow seeds that are destructive, that grow into destruction or whatever, or you can sow seeds in him that, um, that produce fruit of the kingdom, Right, And so the same way, the enemy sows seeds. He sows things that begin to grow on their own. In fact, that's what he's been doing ever since the fall. Right, So it's significant that the Word of God tells us that um, he came to destroy the works of the devil. He didn't just come to destroy the devil. He came to destroy all of the works that, that are part of what he sows or what in, in the past what he's sown. Does that make sense? Okay. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15 and I just want to show you some bottom line things about spiritual warfare. Cuz how many of you know if you have the wrong conception about spiritual warfare, if you if you have ideas that aren't exactly how the spiritual world actually works, then you're not going to fight in the battle very well. Right? Here in verse 50 it says Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Okay? Why? What's going on there? Why does it say flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God? Because the kingdom of God is spiritual, right? We talk about that all the time. Where's the kingdom of God, church? is in you. Jesus, in in some other place, Jesus is talking to people and he says, the kingdom is not something where you're going to look and go, look, see here or see over there. There's the kingdom. It's not like that. It's a kingdom in spirit. So flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom. Now I want to tell you that God has every intention for you to be one who has authority over this physical world. He does want you to have victories in this world that are transforming for others and further kingdom purposes, but I'm going to show you that the battle is not in the physical, and I'm going to show you exactly why. Okay? Go, keep that in mind. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. Now go with me to Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Many of you are familiar with this chapter. This is a warfare chapter. Um, Ephesians chapters 1 through 5 is all about you won the lottery you got Jesus and then 6 comes and it talks about in fact there's a progression in Ephesians it talks about where you sit where do you sit Uh, right there with Jesus you sit in the heavenly places with Christ and where are the enemies in that passage under his feet if they're under his feet and you sit with him then they're also under your feet right okay and then there's a progression where it starts to talk starts to talk about so then how do we walk and then it ends in talking about and since we know we're in a warfare how do you stand it goes from sit to walk to stand okay and we skipped all the way to the stand part here for the purposes this morning and here it says verse 10 finally my brethren Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles of the devil. What's that? Strategies. And I was, do you know that our. Now, one of the things I'm going to tell you we're not going to do in the weeks to come is over focus on the devil. Okay, I just got to put that out there. You understand, um, if you are, we can get way overly focused on the devil. And what can happen is you get a really big devil and a really small God, which is the opposite of the truth when you do that, right? So we're going to focus on what God says about you and of course every once in a while we're gonna we're gonna mention his sliminess, okay? Because it's real. But here it says against the wiles of the devil. What's that saying? In other words, it's strategic. Wiles is strategies. Okay? Would he love for you to be miserable? Sure, he would. But that's not really his goal. Is it? It's very strategic. If misery will accomplish the the devil's mission, (laughs) then sure, he'll make you miserable. Did you know that he will prosper? He will allow you to have an awesome, easy time if that'll accomplish his mission? Did you know that? He's strategic, okay? That's not even why we're reading this. Go on with me and it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, I have a feeling coming up we're going to teach on a lot of that stuff. We're not today. I just want you to notice one thing. That we just read a verse in 1 Corinthians that said, flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom. And now we've read a verse that says we do not wrestle or war against flesh and blood. Why? I'm going to tell you the first thing you have to understand about spiritual warfare is that that our enemy is warring against your inheritance in the kingdom. Okay? In other words, he has no need to war against anything besides your receiving of the kingdom so that you can be who you are in Christ, so that you can be in the fullness of his joy that we talked about earlier, powerful in what he's planned for you. That's what he wars against. Are we good? Are we doing okay? Okay. (laughs) I really have this messed up today. Um, It's good though. I have a feeling it's in God's plans that it's supposed to be like this (laughs) so Where we're gonna start really is I'm gonna begin to tell you about um, what warfare is not Okay, it's a strange approach Um, And we're gonna look a little bit in Romans here But I just want to start by telling you do you understand that that the enemy's warfare is not merely to tempt you to sin In other words, he's not warring to get you to sin for sin's sake. Do you know why that is? I'm going to show you. I want you to go to Romans 5 with me in verse 18. And we're going to look at this. So Romans chapter 5 and verse 18. You know that Romans is one of the, is not one, is the most comprehensive, most concise theology, right? In chapters one through five, really what Paul does is he lays out a theology of grace. He he lands at this point where we're about to pick up and read where he he's uh, he's laid a case for the all-sufficiency of grace. You know what all-sufficiency means? In other words, um, is Jesus' grace sufficient to cover everything from your past so that you can stand righteous? Okay. How about if you left the service today and you fall to temptation, you go out in sin, do you leave righteousness? Okay. That's right. You don't. That's the all-sufficient part. Now, look. Go with me to verse 18 here. And it says, Therefore... As through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Speaking of Adam, right? Resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, that's our Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Now stay there, we're going to keep reading. I just want you to know we're talking about legal terms. This is important. This is going somewhere. Justification. Righteousness are terms that the Greeks would have used in the courtroom. It's, it's change of status terms, okay? You're not righteous because you behave well today. You're righteous because he changed your legal status. Um, it's an either-or. Either, that was my St. Louis accent. Either-or. <laughs> right? One or the other. You're either condemned Or you're justified and the sufficiency of grace says when you change legal status your status is changed period okay in fact let me read on and he goes on um, where was I go to verse 20 goes on and says moreover the law entered that the offense might abound do you understand what that's saying? In other words, the law, other places it tells us the entire purpose of the law is to expose sin, is to put sin out there so you know it exists. And this is saying, um, this is saying that as the law enters, offense abounds. And it goes on and says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. What's that saying? In other words, can you go out of here? today or for the rest of your life and you can sin right and does it change your status if your faith is in what christ has accomplished on your behalf no now don't mishear me church um you understand um you can sin and it won't change your righteousness status but um does that make it smart no, it's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid, and we could have a whole message on the consequences of sin and and the, how it steals your joy and the destructiveness and everything, but Jesus came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Who wants abundant life? Then don't sin, <laughs> okay? All I'm saying is, is it doesn't change your legal status, okay? In fact, he does such a good job. It goes on and says... Um, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then, so he's done such a great job of laying your unshakable legal status that he, he, he almost kind of goes, uh-oh, I wonder if I made him think it's, it's cool to go out and sin. So, so he goes and says, what um, shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Okay, wh- why am I spending all this time? Why am I telling you this? This is the reason that the enemy doesn't engage warfare against you just for sin's sake, just to get you to sin. Why? Because if he, if he gets you to sin, has he accomplished anything? Has he, it doesn't change anything. So what is the warfare then? Before I tell you that, I want to tell you one more thing. In fact, this was in one of the songs. I really appreciate when God does that. It was in one of the songs. Um, um, Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. That's a done deal, right? That's a victory. How come we don't experience that all the time? How come we still have death and we still have sin that riddles and messes everything up when the victory's there already? We're going to talk about that and did you know that the enemy you hear this all the time boy the enemy is warring against God's plans how many have heard that how many have said that (laughs) I'm sure I've said it so um, but I want to tell you something really if we're gonna have good sound thinking about spiritual warfare did you know the enemy does not war against God's plans did you know that why why can I make that statement The word of God is really clear and probably in the coming weeks we're going to look at this carefully. But um, you know that the enemy knows that he can't touch God's plans. He's actually wise enough that he knows that God's plans are unshakable. They are going to move forward. He can't even slow them down. He can't even touch it. So do you know that warfare is not against God's plans? What is it against? Listen. It's against you in god's plans okay do you know that the enemy can only have what you give him see the victory is one he can only thwart he can only slow down he can only destroy what you let him thwart, slow down, or destroy because the victory is finished. Jesus said it's finished. And church, if, if for like for the next month or months or whatever God does, if we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, that's got to be our starting place. We have to know that we start from a place that, that victory is established. Do you know what the calling, do you know I say it all the time, you're called to be a king, a priest, and a prophet, Right? After after our our pattern and our Savior, Jesus, you are a king, a priest, and a prophet. How are you prophetic? Now listen, I'm not talking about, there are those with the the spiritual gift of prophecy, okay? That's a different thing. But how are you a prophet in the kingdom of God? Do you know what the calling on your life is? You are called to live out the expression of, of a victory that's already true. Did you, did you, are we doing okay? Did you catch that? The calling on your life is to make true through the power of the Holy Spirit in the physical, what is already completely finished and true, established victory in the spiritual. That's the entire story of this book from the day God said man would have dominion in the earth. That was his idea. I'll celebrate by myself on that one. I don't have. <laughs> we are working out the expression of a victory that already is. Anybody besides me struggle to work out the expression? <laughs> Okay, I think I'm supposed to do this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, remember we had our picture of the boat up here. Okay, and we talked about Peter, Peter getting out of the boat. Um, I'm not even I'm not even going to turn there, but you know the story. Um, Jesus comes walking out on the water. They're in the storm. They're in the boat, and to make a long story short, um, they're they're kind of freaked out, right? They're a, it actually says that they're frightened. They're not sure if it's him or if it's a ghost, and so Peter. Uh, it probably sounded like this cuz they were scared peter says lord if it's you um call to me and tell me to come to you and what's jesus do he does he says okay come on and peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking in the storm and the waves i'm not sure how that works like was it is it like can you imagine walking on the water with waves? I mean, was he like surfing across the water? I, I can't, I have a hard time even picturing. But he's, <laughs> I know I'm a goofball. And so he's walking across the water and then what happens? He sinks, right? And I don't know if he got really, like he's just about to get to Jesus or I don't, I don't have that part either, um, but what I have is, you know, we, we like to focus on, we know things like the minute he took his eyes off of Jesus or focused on the waves, that's when he goes down, right? We know all that. I want to tell you that, that what we're looking at in that story is a warfare moment. It is. It's an example of a spiritual warfare moment. What? Jesus calls him out of the boat. He's responding. He's being obedient. He's, um, he's walking out to Jesus and then... And then he has a thought that is contrary to faith, that's contrary um, to the obedience that God's having him to do, and he falls in the water. In other words, what? The result is incredibly different. I thought when I obey, everything's supposed to be awesome, (laughs) right, right? How many of you have had God call, you know that you know that he spoke something in your life, that he's asked you to step and do it, and so you go, and the results are like the worst stuff, like I didn't picture this at all. Everything seems to fall apart. Am I not obeying here? (laughs) A couple of people have done that with me. That's good. I've probably spent most of my life doing that. I I used to beg, oh Lord, if I could just hear your voice, tell me what you want me to do. It used to frustrate Sandra to where she would be like, would you cut that out? <laughs> and the results go bad. That's spiritual, that's a spiritual warfare for a moment. I'm, I'm going to tell you this story about me. Okay, so early in my walk... Um, before uh, my relationship is, you know, I've really developed to a point where I, I, I hear it in y'all, and I know that y'all are here with me. Some of you, um, where you have a very conversational relationship with God, you talk back and forth, you hear, and but there was a time in my life I struggled a lot, and I wasn't sure when I hear and when I don't, right? And so I used to do this thing as a younger Christian where I would, <laughs> I would, do, you know, random flip. Christianity and I'd be going God I need a word here this is a dark moment or whatever I'm dealing with and so I would take my Bible and I would go <laughs> right and you know what's amazing is God loved me so much that he would honor it I mean it was uncanny I would flip and I would be like oh that's exactly the word I need yeah I'm rolling again right but then I started doing this thing where I would do it and you know your finger kind of goes to the middle what's in the middle the Psalms, Isaiah, well, the prophets, right? And I would flip in and go, and, and it got to the point I started to go, ah, oh, the Old Testament, oh, Zechariah, shoot. <laughs> I really needed a good word today, Lord. And then, and then I would read, and now this is a true story. I can still remember this day. And In fact, I have to tell you, I started, before I do that, I started avoiding the middle because I didn't want to land in the prophets. <laughs> and I would turn my body, you know, you want to be in the New Testament? And I didn't want to skew it. You know that the New Testament is this last part back here, so I would, I would go like this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a true story. Um, <laughs> it's amazing how God blessed it, though. But, so, but I can still remember clearly, this is why I'm telling this, this day that I turned in, and I, I don't remember the passage, I don't know where I was, but the words that I read is, um, is God says to me through the word, I'm going to completely annihilate you. I'm going to wipe, I'm going to wipe you from the face of the earth so that you're not even a memory in the land. And it's like that and I'm like, wow, I really needed a good word. <laughs> right? And I can still remember when God clearly spoke to me in that moment. It was, it was one of those where people say it's almost audible. It was almost audible. I heard the Lord say, I said, I said to him, I really needed a good word. And he said, that is a good word. <laughs> you know where this is going. Ah, oh, spiritual warfare. Do you know God only allows? Do you know that God allowed? This is is about what we're going to get today, okay? And this is really where we're going. Now listen to me. The Father loves you, right? Like crazy. So any warfare, any hardship, any pain, for, for those that love him, his plans are good, and he allows what he allows because he wants to establish you. Okay, so that day he says this is a good word. So I, I fall into pretty deep prayer. This was, this was decades ago. Um, I'm, I'm not doing that for my sermons, okay? <laughs> I fall into deep prayer and I realize that why would God ever speak to his chosen people? You're going to be annihilated. You're going to be wiped so that you're not even a memory. A loving father. There could only be one reason. He only does that when he's trying to establish. You see, he has to kill. He has to take out anything that's not like him. Anything contrary to him has got to go. If we're going to be a vessel for the advancement of the glory of the kingdom of God, then, um, you know, it's a New Testament. That's I was in the prophets, but that's a New Testament concept. The old man dies and so that the new man can be resurrected. He allows warfare for the destruction of the old man. You see it over and over and over in the Old Testament. He loved his chosen people so much that he was not willing to let them be the old man? Do you know that he will allow pieces of your life, you, <laughs> to be annihilated? What does he do with our sin? We, you read places where he separate, he will remember it no more, right? You talk about a good word, anymore I get a word, I get a word like that and I'm thinking, praise God, let the annihilation begin. I'm so tired of my old man. I'm so tired of the junk that keeps me from being powerful like I'm supposed to be, from being completely free to be as beautiful as I'm supposed to be, that like I get an annihilation word and I'm like, yes, well, I I know the Father loves me. So let the annihilation begin, right? Is there still something to be annihilated? You bet. Okay, go for it. You see, I say this all the time. No matter what you interpret from your life or this book, if it doesn't start with a father that loves you unconditionally, you'll get the wrong interpretation. God will say, I'm going to annihilate you, and you'll go, oh, I knew it. (laughs) I knew when I woke up this morning it wasn't going to go well. Right, But if you know the way the Father loves you, if you know that you are the object of his love and that's it, then spiritual warfare, anything else you face from sunrise to sundown, <laughs> is the Father's love. Is that the truth? He's going to use everything to establish you. I, I want to show you this, and we're not going to read it out of here because I know you know the story. You all, you all know the story that, that um, the Jews were freed from Egypt, right? They wander the desert, and then they're brought to the Promised Land. So I want to show you um, an epic thing that I just want to be the foundation for warfare as we move into the weeks to come. So um, let me pull this. Maybe I need a note or two. Um, so you know they're, they're freed from Egypt, right? And then what? Immediately, they're in the desert, right? They're in the wilderness. And you're going to find as we move forward in the weeks that whenever you're studying or reading in your Bible, the wilderness is the place of warfare, okay? It's, and, and what happens in the desert? An entire generation has to die, right? And then essentially, so in other words, what? The old man has to die so that the new man can enter the promised land. The new man being Joshua and Caleb, right? Are the ones who are the beginning of a new man, a new generation. Now I'm going to tell you a trick, okay? God is ever trying to bring you to be one who is prepared, who is the square like I showed, (laughs) where truth can make you into a person that is able to receive promise and purpose. Promise and purpose, okay? You're to be a person of purpose and a person of promise. But you know the old man cannot have that inheritance We started this this morning. Warfare is over inheritance. It's not flesh and blood that inherits. And so, therefore, warfare is not over flesh and blood. Warfare is over the place of the spirit where old man has to die and the new man, the one that can receive the inheritance of purpose and promise, can go. None of that old generation, aside from those that represented the one who can receive promise, do you want the promises of God? Okay, you're gonna get him then. Just you. <laughs> uh. Establishing victory. Only the old man, and you know that's that's what he's doing. He's that's got to start us. That's got to be our starting place. Um, spiritual warfare. We can get really focused on the enemy. And do you know that the the power of the enemy? It really is powerful. Like, apart from Jesus, you really cannot touch the power of, of evil. <laughs> it really is powerful. Yeah. But now if you're seated with Christ and the enemy is under your feet, then, then um, you've got nothing to worry about, right? I didn't say it would all be pleasant. I didn't say it wouldn't, that he wouldn't allow a warfare. Um, he will. But as long as you interpret from the fact that it all begins with your father and your father loves you and there's nothing more powerful than that, then you can go explore warfare and, and you can find out how you can be a mighty warrior even when warfare comes. That's good stuff. That's not how I expected that to go at all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, In that case, I think we're going to do one more thing. I'm going to do one more thing then. I want to, let's look at the origins of warfare, okay? And I think this is going to be a powerful word for us. So go with me to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. And this is one of those moments where you, you know how silly you can be. I can be really silly. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, let's go. As I'm preparing for this, I'm thinking, let's go to, you know, to like some of the first instances of warfare. Where would that be? And it took me a while to, fig- to have the intelligent thought that like, oh, that would have to be right there at the fall. <laughs> of course. But once I got there, I realized it's really telling. Okay. So right there at the fall in Genesis 3 and verse 1, this is the first moment of warfare. Now, there was warfare in heaven, right, to get to this point. But this is the first moment of spiritual warfare, of an interaction of spiritual thoughts. We're going to talk a lot about thought life coming up. Spiritual thoughts coming from a spiritual realm into a physical atom and impacting the natural. That kind of warfare. Okay, and here it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? I just want to show you that one foundational thing right here from the very first interaction between the spirit and the physical in terms of warfare is it, is it always begins with, now these words may not be there, but it always begins with, um, has God indeed said? There's always a version of that. And I'll tell you, if the only thing you remember from this morning is that the strategy of the enemy is to come against the words of God over your life. Remember our squares? God speaks truth. What sets you free? Truth. God speaks powerful things over your life. He speaks love over your life. And he means for your life to be a prophetic life With regard to what I said before, where you are executing the good things of God, the good things of the kingdom of God, you're making it manifest in this natural. You don't war in the natural, but you're manifesting the goodness because you're winning the spiritual war, and the enemy's going to come. The enemy's approach is to say, has God really said That's part of the reason that I think he allows us to do like when I was talking about the Peter thing. He allows us to start walking to step out in obedience and then the results are nothing like it is and he's he's establishing you as someone who says, I believe God. I don't believe in results. I don't believe in some preconception of what I thought was going to happen. I believe God. And God spoke words. Right? God is word, Logos word, and he speaks words over your life and the results may be this, that, or the other. Does that change what God spoke? Okay, but the enemy says, has God indeed said? Really? Did he tell you that? Did he tell you he's, that you're his beloved? He told you you're a son of God. Did he say that? Right, my circumstances scream that I'm the believe I'm the beloved of God. I could be in a situation where I'm thinking, I feel. In fact, <laughs> okay, maybe I should tell this. Um, at one point, when Sandra and I lived in um, Trinidad, that's our wilderness. We even go. We say it like this. We say Trinidad because um, <laughs> oh, wow, we have bad uh, bad memories of that season. I was having everything fall apart in my life. In fact, I got fired from a job that I worked for like a year and a half to get and, and uh, probably it was idolatry in my life. I know that now, so it's all, it's me anyway. And, but the point is I got angry with God at that, in that season of my life and I was literally saying to him, am I a clown? <laughs> True story. Am I a clown to you? And see that was the enemy saying did did God indeed say that he loves you he's got good plans and and in my circumstances I was certain I must have been God's clown I was so mad He goes on in verse 4 and it says you will not surely die so what does he do then he begins to speak his words right I've got replacement words for God's you will not surely die For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. What's he do? I mean, really what's going on there? What was that? He's twisting. And it's very directed twisting. Do you notice um, we're going to have a whole, we're going to have to do a whole teaching on this coming up. I'm just going to touch it today. But do you notice that warfare is always over two identities? You know which two identities? (laughs) <laughs> yep, that's really the only thing he can come against. Who? What is God's identity, and what is your identity? Is God really loving? Is the Father really good? You see, this whole thing, this whole strategy right here is, first of all, um, Eve, did you know there's something wrong with you? I'm thoroughly convinced this is the first time it crossed her mind that there would be anything wrong with her. You mean there's something that... Um, God has that he didn't give me. He's withholding. I have a lack that needs to be filled. Okay, so you see that the warfare is always against identities. And did, did God indeed speak those words over you? Okay, I think we'll, we'll do this as our last scripture. Go with me to, um, uh, what book is that in? Matthew chapter 4. No, Ma- Matthew chapter three. That's what I said, verse sixteen. Fast forward to Jesus, okay, and here it says, when he had been baptized. So you understand what this moment is, okay. This moment is is the beginning of he's beginning to transition from, from. Um, he's always his father's son. She's transitioning from. Um, growing in relationship with his father, learning of his father and who he is and everything. And now he's about to cross to pass through the water to purpose and promise, to begin ministry, okay? And so it says he was was baptized. Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, words are spoken over him, right? Words are spoken over him. Go go ahead and say this with me. I am his beloved son. And in me, he's well pleased. Do you know that's true about you? Did you say it or like, do you believe that? Those are God's words over you. Okay, and I want to show you what happens next. Do you all know? He's baptized and immediately what? Just like coming out of Egypt, straight into the wilderness, (laughs) immediately as as he starts in ministry, as he steps to be a person of promise and purpose, immediately straight into warfare. Why? Why would his father allow that? Come on, somebody's got it. I just said it. He wants to establish. Why He goes straight to the wilderness because, believe me, the ministry that Jesus is about to do, he needs to be established <laughs> in the Holy Spirit. He needs to win some warfare for establishment. Okay? He goes to the wilderness and then I want to, I want you to see what the enemy says. What's the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He goes into the wilderness and in chapter 4, verse 3, It says, now the tempter came to him. He said, if you're the son of God, I'm not even going to read any further. That's what I want you to see. Do you see that? That's warfare. I want to tell you that every time you experience warfare in your life, it's going to be the enemy coming against a word of God over you, and he's going to take that very word and he's going to say, did he really say that? Are you sure? Or this is like a, are you sure? If you're the son of God... And then, of course, he's going to want him to start proving it and stuff. You're going to start seeing spirits of suicide and spirit, all kinds of things come next in the temptations. Warfare begins at the words of God spoken over you. We're going to learn in the weeks to come um, how we, what the Word of God has to say about how we're always victorious you how you're already victorious and you are working out, out the manifestation of your victory that already is okay it's god's words okay i i'm going to do one apparently that's not the last scripture <laughs> um did i did i give you um colossians 3:10 Okay, I'm just going to read this. I'm even going right into the middle of a sentence. So if you want the context, go. Get, it's a great place to study. Go to Colossians chapter 3 later. But here it just says, and, and it's talking about the new man, okay? The established one, the person of, that can be of purpose and promise, right? And it says, put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image who created him in other words you understand what that's saying this is a this is a warfare verse okay in other words you're putting on the new man what it has to be an accurate knowledge that's the new man has accurate knowledge and we're going to study that coming up i know that we are in other words you have knowledge of who he is because you only receive and accept his words if you know that they are out of love and they're only stable words over your life if you're trusting in his love because the enemy's going to come and, and try to take them. Amen? Do you, know, do you know that? How often do you see that? I just, I just want to get a poll here. How often do you see that you're positive that God has spoken a word or he's asking you to move somewhere and step and immediately, like you've seen this pattern in your life, like waste no time things fall apart and contrary words begin, begin to come after it. Okay? Yeah, and, and look, it's the pattern of Scripture. It's actually God's idea. I hope you take heart in that. <laughs> it is actually God's idea, okay? They left Egypt and found themselves immediately in the wilderness, now, I'm going to tell you a fascinating fact. Do you know if you... It takes a little study effort. Actually, it takes a lot of stuff, study effort to dig this out. But if you follow their journey across the wilderness from Egypt to the Promised Land, it follows the same pattern as Jesus' three temptations. And it follows the same pattern of warfare. It follows the same progression of the book of Ephesians from sitting to walking to standing. It follows the same pattern of, of so many things in the New Testament letters of the old man dying and the new man being raised in the promise of the Holy Spirit. Becoming an established person who is a carrier of the glory of God and the power of God, you're established in promise and purpose. Do you want to be established in promise? How about purpose? Okay, you got some warfare coming. It's true. It's true. You've already seen some. So look, I I know you already are, to some degree, established in God's promises. And you already are walking in the purposes of God. Um, It's just, he's not finished yet. Okay? And we're going to learn how to be warriors in that warfare that he uses for establishing. So really, I'm just, I'm going to close with this because after... I know this is different than I usually do. Usually we dig hard at some passages and stuff, and I want to lay a foundation for where we're going. But I don't want you to walk out of here um, focused on the enemy. So just um, do you realize, let's do this. Um, Let's just answer some questions that we just laid out. Why would God allow spiritual warfare in your life? to establish you. Good. He wants you to cross. Now look, you have you have multiple there's there's imagery that is the prophetic of the truth so that we manifest it in the physical, right? And so crossing the Jordan is part of that imagery, right? Baptism into the promised land. You become the the people that that are able to establish pr- the promise and truth in the land. He's got to kill the old man first. But look, what, this, this is what you've got to walk out with. Because I know some of you are in warfare now. In fact, I'm in warfare now. <laughs> Anybody in warfare right now? Um, you've got to know the love of the Father. We're going to begin shutting down in the weeks, maybe months, as we teach through this. We're going to start shutting down the voice of the enemy. Are you with me? He's going to quit taking the love of the Father out of the voice that's spoken in our life. Circumstances are no longer going to be able to scream lies over what the Father speaks over your life. Is there any other voice you care about than your God's, your Father God, the voice of the Holy Spirit directing and the friend of Jesus Christ that's with you, right? Let me just make sure. And then I'll pray for you. And then, yeah, I think we're good. Thank you, God. Let's just let me pray for you, Lord. We're not ignorant over the fact that there is a warfare, that there is an enemy that hates us. Um, we're also not scared, Father. We believe you when you say that you have already defeated sin and death and that your plans are secure, the enemy can't touch them, we believe you. We know that the enemy is not going to like us exposing him in the weeks to come and building a new strength and a a, a greater authority in this, your people, and in us together as a body, releasing your ministries and, and transforming and changing this community and our families. And Father, I pray uh, that you would protect the seeds that you have given this morning, the seeds of your word, the seeds of truth. I ask specifically, in fact, I declare in the authority of the name of Jesus that the evil one will not touch them as we move forward in this. He will not touch their things. He will not touch their families in the name of Jesus. We are going to expose the enemy and he is not going to take advantage of us while we do it. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that even today and in the weeks to come, maybe the months to come, that you are creating a people that are warriors, that understand warfare, that understand exactly how you would have us sit, walk, and stand as the carriers of your glory and your authority In this place father I pray that you would be releasing prophetic lives lives that manifest a truth that already is in you we believe you we believe you for this and we accept your love in the name of Jesus amen are we okay was I too intense okay good (laughs) Good. Be blessed.